Welcome to Her Reality. This is a safe space where I crack this conversation wide open with women from all walks of life about what it's like to be a woman in today's world. So stay tuned while we explore the ins and outs and the differences of each other's lives and we honor each other for who we are. I'm excited to be your host. My name is Maureen Casey and here's today's show. you guys. I am so excited because today I have the beautiful Danielle Little with me. We are going to be talking about women supporting women right now during this time. You guys just need to know that Danielle has it all going on, you guys. She is known for thecubiclechick.com, where she helps working moms get the most out of life in their career. So make sure you guys check her out. Um, For me, and Danielle already knows this, but I had to find someone to have this conversation with because I am not the right person, okay? Let's just be frank. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and I am an ally, but I have never been there. As much as I want to support all of the women in color or of color that are in my community and that surround me, I don't feel like I can do the best job without being fully educated. And I also don't feel like I can use my platform properly when I speak up about something that I don't know firsthand about, you know? And so anyways, Danielle is here to really help us dive into this subject of how we can support each other as women and as moms, because I'm going to tell you right now, as a mother, it makes me sick inside to see what's going on in the world. And I know I'm not the only mom and I know I'm not the only woman. So Danielle, first of all, how the heck do we stay positive? Your Facebook, your Instagram, like it's popping. You're, you know, making this change with your positive influence and I'm hurting. How do we do it? How do we stay positive right now? Well, you know, I think that the goal shouldn't tr- shouldn't be to stay positive although i'm just a positive by nature person All right. the goal the goal should be to create change to make an impact in any way you can um for some people that is going to be protesting that is going to be going out into the community and making their voices known i'm saying protesting not looting cuz they're two different things um for some people that may be writing that may be sharing online that may be donating to a cause that is being affected right now so there's all different types of ways that you can show up i think the positivity piece comes in when you think about what the end goal result looks like. Like, you know, one of, uh, I think one of the first um, steps or habits in um, Stephen Covey's uh, Seven uh, Habits of Highly uh, Effective People, it's to begin with the end in mind. And so that's what we want to do with what's going on now. I don't want to just necessarily, although it's horrible, look at the police brutality, look at what happens a lot in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to look at what that, what the end result looks like, which is where that 
doesn't happen, which is when, it, if, in, if it does happen, that police person, a policeman, woman, whoever, is held accountable for their actions mm-hmm. in a court of law. Yeah. Um, so I try to think about what that end result looks like. And that keeps me positive. That keeps me going because that's the goal to get to that end point where police justice, injustice, excuse me, and police brutality does not happen. So that's where the positivity come in. Like today is a bad day. Today this happened. Today we watched on CNN all this footage of all of these riots and all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But in the end, hopefully when all of this is over, it will be better for everybody. Right. And that is that is what I look at. Wow. And that is so beautiful. You know, coming from a business background, it's amazing how much everything crosses over, right? We can take these business principles, but if we apply them to life, they work. And I remember, you know, when I first got into business, one of my mentors told me, do not treat it just like a business. Treat it like a best friend. How would you treat your best friend? How are you going to treat these people you love? And if you show up to your business with your heart first, you'll never fail, right? And yeah. I just, as you were you know, speaking, that came up. And it's such a beautiful concept to think we can lead with our heart in this situation right now. We can mm-hmm. show up with love, you know? Sure. Um, my daughter is biracial and I was not prepared for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I wasn't. Um, I didn't understand. And also I was very naive to think it would happen to my child. I just, mm-hmm. I was, I was very naive to think it would happen to my child, but in the, in the summer she gets really dark. Right. And I've noticed as she gets older, there's a shift and we're starting to have more conversations as she's noticing the difference and she's seeing what's going on in the world. Tulsa is a very active place right now. And she's Mm -hmm. very aware of what's happening and we're not hiding it from her. And the conversations are hard right there. And I, Mm -hmm. I say they're hard because I don't know how to have them. I don't, I don't know what to say to her right on one side. The school district is teaching us, for example, that it's, um, African American, which is fine, you know, and we respect that. But then I have all of these women of color in my community and they're like, oh no, honey, we are taking back the word black, you know? And so now I'm like, what what do I say to my daughter? You know, like, what do I even say? Because it wasn't until this year that she realized that there was like a difference, right? It Mm -hmm. used to be, oh mommy, look how tan she is. I just love her skin. That was all she knew. She just thought, you know, I just don't tan. <laughs> That's what she thinks. She just thinks yeah. I don't tan. And she thinks everybody else can tan, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but as a mom, right, and being on the other end of that, what would mm-hmm. you want my kids to say? What would you want me as a white woman to be able to teach my children about color and about addressing a child of another color? and? I mean, I'm going to teach her to be kind, don't get me wrong, but how does she have an open conversation about race at seven, at eight, at 15, right? As they're growing, especially when girls Mm -hmm. get catty, 
what do we do? Sure. So, and this question, I've been asked this a lot because I've been on several podcasts and and, and shows about about this very topic. Um, my daughter is 15, and my my daughter is is, is black but she is light. And so a lot of people light skinned. And so some people, and she told me this other day, they think that she's mixed and she has to say, Oh no, you know, I'm not. So there's even with her because of her, the skin tone, because she's a little bit on the light sides and and her hair, some people do think that she's mixed. So I, I've run into these issues too. The thing that I think that it's very important for us to teach our black kids. And by the way, African-American was created that, that tagline, that phrase was created in the seventies, because before that we were either called colored or we were called Negro. Okay. And both of those did not sit well with the com- community. So in the 70s, there was this big emphasis on the motherland, which is Africa, and identifying that that is where we were forcibly uh, taken from to come to America. And so we're going to celebrate those roots and be African-American. Over time, um, we're not trying, I think there's a, there's a thing where we don't have, we, we were brought here not on our own accord mm-hmm. and we're Americans and we're black. Right. Um, and so we shouldn't have to put African-American in front of it because we are black um, for generations and general, we would have to go down many generations to get to the Af- to, to where they were brought over, where our relatives were brought over from Africa. So black is the term that I in- identify with. Black is the term that my son who's 26 identifies with, but I told Layla, which is my daughter, she can identify with what, what phrase she wants to identify with. So as a mom, I'm giving her that choice. I'm telling her, I like to be, I'm black. I'm a black woman, capital B (laughs) black woman. But if you want to be called African-American, you can be called African-American. So I'm leaving that up to her because I want her to feel comfortable being identified the way that she wants to. So to answer your question on that, I think that it's really important that we do more listening than talking, even when they're seven, right? to feel, to take their temperature and to feel and to get a, a grasp of what they know. Um, what questions they have. And the more you listen to them and the more you allow them to just talk and share, the more they'll feel comfortable Mm -hmm. having these conversations with you and they won't feel so like stiff and like you're tapping into something that is uncomfortable. You want to make these conversations comfortable for your children. This should not, this should these conversations we used to say, oh, I don't see color and treat everybody the same. And you should treat everybody the same. But to say that you're colorblind and you don't see color is totally false. If you see a disabled person walking down the street or uh, or with one leg hobbling down the street, you're going to know they're disabled. And you're, you're, it's not that you're going to treat them in an unkind way or be mean to them, but to say, oh, I didn't know you were disabled. Like that is just, that, that is a that's who they are. So to say I don't see color is just not the way to address it. You want to have these conversations with your children because I think that because when I was coming up, we didn't have these conversations. I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I was always the only black girl in the class. So they weren't having conversations with their parents. And so when I would come over, I would do this. They would say, oh, why is your hair like that? Or why when you get in the pool, your hair kind of shrinks up? Or why with this? Or why that? And I became the teacher 
for these kids when that really wasn't my role. I was a kid too. I needed to be taught too. So I think that we have to have these conversations with our kids, even if they're uncomfortable, even if you don't have all the answers, do the research and try to find the answers yourself. Um, But I think it starts with asking them questions. Um, What do you want your daughter? Do you want to be, you know, so there's, you can be black or you can be, and that's something that you can talk about with her, with, with, with her dad too. But um, I think that we think, okay, kids, they're kids and we should do all the talking and we have to teach them and we have to, there is a, it is a teachable moment, but it should be a collaborative teaching moment because you could, you teach them and they teach you. And then that's how you kind of do it. And I think that's how you make it comfortable. So it's not so weird when you talk about it. Yeah. I always tell my daughter that it is uncomfortable and that's okay though. You know, whenever you're doing something new, whenever you're exploring something, there's going to be a touch of discomfort. Sometimes it's a little bit more and sometimes it's just a little bit, you know, and I have tried, Lord help me. I have tried to open her up to some very uncomfortable conversations, whether it's the homeless man that walked into the restaurant, you know, we were out getting burgers one night and he walked in and mom, why is he carrying a backpack? Mom, why is it, you know, why does he look dirty like that? His hair doesn't look washed. It's like, okay, let's have this conversation. And then she got to the hard stuff. Like, how did he get there? Right. I can't answer that. So I, at that moment was like, well, If you want to know, I have to ask him because he's the only one that can tell that side of the story, you know, Mm -hmm. she wanted to know. So we went over and I asked if we could sit and talk and I've tried to teach her that it's better to have that conversation than it is to just kind of stay over here. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to lie right now. It feels stressful to have these conversations. I feel like And this is recent. This is really recent. I'm talking within the last maybe week. um, I have felt like if I approach a woman of color or a man of color, I mean, it doesn't really matter. But if I approach them and I want to know something, am I just being like that white girl because it's the time? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And maybe you don't, but I feel really uncomfortable right now asking questions. Like it's more ignorant than ever to ask a question. So do you have advice on striking a conversation or how do we keep the conversation going in everyday life in our community when we're at the grocery store, right? Like Mm -hmm. how can we just be normal people? Sure. Well, the first thing is I think that when you reach out to um, the black people in your circle or whatever. I would suggest you have those conversations with them first before you strike up with a stranger in the grocery store. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Good advice. Um, But I would first ask the question, um, I want to talk to you uh, because I don't like what's going on right now and what's been going on. Can we have a conversation about it? I've had so many people just jump into my DMs and send me these long paragraphs and they haven't asked me how I feel. They haven't asked me anything. They just like jump in. So I think before you can have those conversations, you need to take the temperature of the person that you're having a conversation with. Because if you think you're having a difficult time, imagine us, what we're going through right now. Yes. So we're, there's, you know, because we've got the kids you know, we're, a lot of us have children. 
A lot of us have husbands and spouses and partners who may or may not come home. There's conversations that I have to have with my son that white women or other uh, races don't have to have those conversations with their kids. Um, and that conversation is always, if you get stopped by the police, do this, do that. Like there's just different things that we have had to deal with. So when people say I'm uncomfortable, I'm like, imagine how we feel if you're uncomfortable. But take the temperature of the person first. Don't just kind of go in and say, oh my God, I saw what happened, blah, blah, blah. Because the person's just like, really? Ask me how I'm doing. Ask them, how are they doing? You know, and then you can put in, oh, you know what? I am so I just, it's so hurtful what's going on right now. It makes me sad. I want to do something about it. Can we have a conversation? And then if they say yes, then you could start in on the questions and things that you have to ask them. And if they say no, just be really respectful and say, I totally understand. I wanted to come to you because I respect you. And I, I wanted to have that conversation when you're ready let me know and I'll be happy to have that conversation. So that's how yes. you do it. You, you know, you take the temperature of the person first just to make sure because not everybody, every black person wants to have that conversation right now. Some people do, some people don't. And you just have to be able to gauge that first before you go into how you're feeling and what can you do. And you, you take the temperature of the person first and see how they're doing and, and how they're coping and how you can help them. I love that. And I feel like, I mean, that's in general in sales. I mean, I see it all over the board, right? So many times we do forget to take the temperature. I have been trained because of my extensive sales background, you know, are they cold? Are they warm? How do you get them there? You know, but yeah. not everybody walks in to the situation like that. And that's something I forgot, right? And I've got this personality that's kind of beaming anyway. So <laughs> I approach things differently than a lot of people. And it's so nice. It's so refreshing to remember that it's okay to ask permission if the conversation's acceptable. And it's okay for there to be a no, right? Just yes. like if you have a baby, it doesn't mean that I never want you to see my baby. It just means right now this is new and this is precious and I need mm -hmm. more time. And that's yes. okay. Mm -hmm. So I would just thank you so much for actually pointing that out because I forget that concept a lot of times. <laughs> we do need to be reminded. Yeah. Okay. So the big elephant in the room for me is collectively the community, right? I'm here to help women. I teach women all of the time how to love each other and how we can strengthen our bonds and grow together and support each other. But I can't teach this properly, right? Yes. So just woman to woman, right? Not, um, I don't want to say not the bigger picture because it's always with the bigger picture in mind. But if we are going to start with our community, even if it's our online community, right? As a, any ally, it doesn't have to be a white woman, just any ally, what do we need to know or where, what do you think right now is the most helpful we can truly be coming from that place of love right mm -hmm. and I, not even necessary because the question that um got submitted the most was if i don't have the extra funds right now or if i can't go to a mm -hmm. protest right like how do i just show up and let the community know that i'm here and that i love them and that i'm for them and you know can you speak to that any and kind of just 
help us out be a better ally, I guess, (laughs) at the bottom line, right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, so allyship is what I call it. Allyship shows up in different ways, but it means basically authentically showing up and helping an underrepresented person be represented. That can be in the form of money, like you said, giving to whatever causes um, that are affected. Um, from my bis- from the business uh, standpoint, what I love that I've been seeing done in a lot of communities is amplifying um, black voices, amplifying amplifying excuse me black businesses. So I'm a member of several um, uh, groups for women. And they have been, the, the, the um, organizers of the groups have been having threads where Black women can share their businesses and share their pages so you can follow them, so you can get to know them. And if you do want to purchase a product or service, so you can do that. So that is a way that, okay, I don't have money now. I can't donate to a cause, but I definitely, definitely can share with my 50,000 members a listing of black women-owned businesses if your group is woman-oriented. Right. Um, another way you can do it is amplify black voices. You may not have the perfect thing to say at this moment, but there's somebody probably on your stream on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, somebody is. So amplify that voice and allow that voice to be the carrier pigeon to your community to help them. To bridge the gap, right? Bridge the gap as much as possible. Yes, of course, buy from Black businesses if you can, um, or underrepresented businesses as much as possible. I have been seeing so many people this last, uh, for this last week, um, or a little over a week now, um, saying, hey, you know, uh, I am looking for, I don't know, a cake for my daughter's birthday. Are there any black bakeries? Like I'm seeing, I'm seeing white people and other races actively reaching out for black businesses in a specific whatever they're looking for. Or I need, you know, I need my, my house painted. Are there any, you know, black owned, you know, housing painters or something like that? So I'm seeing that a lot. And the thing is, you know, we're all the same when it comes, when it boils down to it, right? We're all people. We're all humans. We all have a heart. It beats it. You know, we all have a body, a body art, you know, it bleeds. Um, but what's not the same is, is there's an inequity issue. Um, just, you know, if we want to talk about what's going on now with COVID and PPP, a lot of black businesses are not getting that PPP funding. Mm. Why not? Yeah. Um, uh, as a black woman in, in working uh, professionally in an office, I am paid way less than my white counterparts. Why is that? So if you want to bridge the gap and you want to fill those holes, then you have to be active and intentional with how you do business. Um, and so, yeah, if you have a business and you have a, a, a list of services that you pay for monthly, try to have a couple of those services from a black owned business or a woman owned business, or even still a black woman owned business. So you're doing two things um, because there is an inequality that has taken 400 plus years. That's how long it's been. It's not going to be, a, it's not going to be wiped out overnight unless Every single person does it intentionally to help. And that's the way that um, you can groom your community to just automatically over time, it becomes a habit and it's something that they're already doing. So just show up and support Black women, Black men, 
things, causes amplify Black voices, amplify uh, Black-owned businesses within your com- community in an authentic way. Don't just, oh, black, this Black businesses, here's all your links. Like, it should be an authentic thing. It should be a real thing. It shouldn't be like you're, you're someone's holding a gun to your head to do it. Um, but I think that that is a way for community, for, for community leaders, people that have groups and things to address what's going on right now. Um, so I too am seeing a few things that I've just have absolutely loved. Um, one of them was this lady, it was a school teacher. I don't remember what grade she taught, but it was a younger grade. And she said every single day she's been walking around the neighborhood. So what she did was she started writing different quotes with chalk, different statistics. She started different facts and she's like, maybe no one will read them, but maybe a kid will. Maybe it'll trigger a question with, you know, a conversation while they're walking the dogs. I thought that was be- from an educator standpoint, right? Like that was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen some cool things like scholarships going out, you know, different programs where they're now doing scholarships or this and that. And I think it's beautiful. Personally, I'm a local type person, right? Like I want to get involved locally. And I am so fortunate that when I moved out here, my husband at the time went to a black barber and I didn't know anybody that could deal with my curls and she (laughs) volunteered and we became family. I mean, seriously, like she comes to the pool with us. Like, like she's my family. We do everything together. I love Miss Joyce so freaking much. Right. But had it not been for her, I wouldn't have known about the culture that we have here. I didn't know about black history in Tulsa. Like I wouldn't have ever known, honestly, like I probably would have never known about black wall street had it not been for me sitting in her chair and happened to like happen to be there for a couple hours, you know, and having these conversations and her being open enough to educate. Now I'm sure she saw me at like 20 years old as an opportunity, you know, (laughs) I'm sure of it and I'm okay with it. But my, my point is, I didn't realize, and this is on me, this is my own fault. I did not realize that there was such a hurt for the bridging of the gap. I didn't realize that even though I have been getting my hair done by a woman of color for the last nine years, that I should have been tagging her every single time, taking multiple Snapchats, telling all my friends to go to her. Mm-hmm. Because I don't share that stuff normally, but I, it didn't cross my mind that that was an opportunity that I could have used, even though it's just something as simple as she's cutting my hair and she convinced me to go natural and quit straightening it, you know, but I should have, I should have said something. And it's not until now that I'm realizing that there are, it's, it's this, it's everyday life that's going to matter right? It's mm-hmm. the everyday yeah. life that I get to share my story. I get to share that I went to church and guess who I met today or that I went to the grocery store and guess, you know, who I had a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Or I went to Starbucks and guess who told me they're, you know, whatever's happening with them. Like it's those everyday conversations that I personally feel are going to change right here, change my backyard, right? Like change right where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's something I don't want to say I'm scared to do, but this is my comfort zone. Like this is where I'm going to get 
out of my comfort zone and I've already decided I want to be physically active in my community, right? Like I'm going to physically show up and have the conversations, um, sure. which is weird because I don't normally leave my house. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, and there's a, we, we, we're talking all about this, but COVID is still out there. So I don't I know, know if it's doing that. Um, you know, you should only be like, you know, but I'm sure you'll, 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 you'll find a way, but this is something that you have to do. And, and I'm sure you are going to do like from now on, it is going to be like, you know, you get your car washed every couple of weeks or you go get your oil changed. Like it's going to become ingrained in your routine. And that's what it's all about is being intentional about those things. Like I intentionally shop a lot of women-owned businesses, whether they're black or not, just because that's where my spirit is. I intentionally seek out these businesses, um, and now it's become routine. And now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I have my favorites, and I shop there, but then I also seek out new ones. So I think that that's the thing. You have to intentionally, like you said, I this is what I'm going to do. When Miss Joy does my hair, I'm going to, you know tag her on my Facebook. Um, and I, and I see that a lot, by the way, segue. I have several friends, several, um, white friends whose daughters, um, have really curly hair. Um, some of them are Jewish and they just have curly hair by nature. And I, they want, I recommend them like products. It's a game changer. Like you're work. And then, um, they've been going to like black salons and stuff like that. So, I mean, yes, that, that is, those are opportunities for us. We are all in this together. I know it's very kumbaya. And there's some people that don't want to hear that now because this has been going on for years and years. You talked about Black Wall Street, that the anniversary of that was last week. Mm -hmm. And we all, you know, if you don't, if people don't know that whole community was taken down, it was a black community and they had pretty much did business within their community and they had shops and stores and businesses and everything and everybody did their business there. They didn't bother anybody. And, um, the, the, there were some white people that came in and they basically just got rid of that that area. They burned the entire community. Let's not sugarcoat it. Over 300 men, women, and children died because a group of white people from all of the surrounding areas decided it was going to be a good idea to light their very lucrative community on fire because a white woman decided to lie about her intentions with a black man. It was very devastating. And Tulsa is not recovered from it. Mm -hmm. We're not. Exactly. And how long ago was that? So there's people 99 years ago. <laughs> right. There are people that say, oh, my gosh, Barack Obama was elected president. You've already you've had a black president like this is so long ago. Slavery was so long ago. Blah, blah, blah. No, Emmett Till. We can talk about that. That wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. This is still happening. We are. You know, you hear people say never forget 9-11. 9-11, 9-11, never forget, never forget, never forget World War II, never forget D-Day, never forget. But well, are we, but we're supposed to forget. We're supposed to just act like everything is okay. The thing is we have to address the wounds. Yeah. And addressing the wounds doesn't mean necessarily that everything will be okay. Like when you get a wound and it heals, mm-hmm. it's not perfect. Like I have a wound here, it healed, but you can still see it a little bit, but it's not, it's not oozing, it's not infected. Well, if I didn't address this wound, it would have oozed and got infected and caused all kinds of stuff. And then it could have affected my whole arm. 
Mm-hmm. That's when, when you don't take care of wounds and you don't work to heal them. That's what happens. We are not addressing the wound. We keep putting a bandaid on it and saying it'll be okay. Mm. And it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's how we got here. And that's how we got here. So it's not just what happened with George Floyd. It is what happened with Emmett Till. It is what happened with the LA riots and Rodney King. Mm. It is years and years and years and years. And oftentimes the police men, um, they're not charged. Mm. Yeah. And so that's what it's about. It is about accountability because we have to be accountable, right? Everybody that walks, we, why is someone else not treated that same way? So addressing the wound, it doesn't, and that addressing it doesn't, isn't, let's pretend it's not here because, um, we have a black, we've had a black president. And so now everything's great. Like, no, that wound is still here. What are we going to do about it? And the wound, you know, if you know if it's infected or whatever, if I, if this wound isn't taken care of and I rub up against somebody else and it's infected, then they can get infected too. Yes. And they infect somebody, then they infect somebody. And then that's how racism spreads. Mm. We weren't born with the wound. We were taught, you know, that wound happened. Yeah. But acting like it's not there is not going to take care of it. So we have to have these discussions. And I'm hoping that finally now <laughs> we will have those. Finally. And I'm do glad you that. you think that that's what's happening, though? Like, do, because I had this question the other day, you know, is this going to be one of those things where this is the discussion of the week? This is the discussion of the month. And then it dies mm-hmm. off. Or are we finally at the point where we can keep this conversation going. What do you think? I think we're finally at that point. And the reason why is because I look at my son, I have a 26 year old son. He lives in um, LA now, Hollywood. And he's been doing, he's been attending a lot of the protests there, but these young people, they're the next generation. They're Mm -hmm. the ones that are going to run the country one day and they're tired of it. We failed our young people. We have failed them in a tremendous way. Our generation and generations before us failed. This generation, though, is sick of it because now they're affected and they're tired of it. So I do think you're going to continue. You know, it may not be the first story on every newscast like it is right now, but I believe that there's going to be some type of discussions. We also have what's different now, too, in our world is we're in an election year for presidency. Mm -hmm. And it's been a very, I won't talk politics, but... Um, it's been a kind of a volatile time during this current president's tenure. So we're in an election year too. So this is being tied into that because the judges, um, uh, you know, from, from the, um, state level and stuff, they're appointed by the president. Yeah. And that affects legislature that affects things that are going on in different, different places. So I say all this to, to say, um, it's different. Mm-hmm. I think it's become personal. I've never seen my son. My son was 19 when Mike Brown, I mean, I live in St. Louis. So that was, um, around my son was still in LA at that, uh, was in LA at that time, but Mike Brown happened and I didn't same instance, you know, I mean, it was police unarmed black kid killed. Um, I, he was affected, but he wasn't, 
out and like risking his life out every day protesting. He's doing that now. So I just think that the rallying cry is a lot different. And these kids, these young 20-something week tired, all millennials, all millennials, I'm, a, I'm an exer, um, but they're tired of it because we didn't do our job. Mm. The Gen Xers, we we failed, and, and, and we can go back and forth, but the Gen Xers are now just starting to get into power because the baby boomers, you know, they've kind of had the power all the time. Yeah. So we're just kind of starting to segue into that. But we, all the generations past have failed these kids. And so they're like, we're going to take this back. Yeah. We are going to make this right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the difference from before. The passion, the resources, you can get, you know, they can get on TikTok and they're, they can go viral with their message that we didn't have that. In minutes, in minutes, in minutes. People can, like millions minutes. of people can hear what they have to say. It's incredible. Exactly. Yes. So that's the, that's the difference. And I think that, and, and they're not like every day in my son's stories on Instagram, I'm looking at every day he is talking about it every day. And I don't think I've seen him talk about something every day like that. Right. Um, and I'm seeing his friends getting involved and I'm seeing other people in his age group and how they're getting involved. They're done. They're sick. Mm. They are tired of the wound not being healed and they're out and they're participating. And so I think that that is the difference from before. That's amazing. And honestly, just hearing that gives me so much hope because that means that what we're doing here matters, right? It means every single conversation matters. It means that when this is played next month, it's going to hold some purpose, right? When it's played six months from now, it'll be relevant, right? And that to me is so amazing. I mean, just think about it. We're literally in the time where everything is shifting and you're either going to be a part of history in the making, or you're going to be part of the person that sits back and watches it. But either way it's happening, right? Like the time is now. And I, I agree with you. I think you're 100% right. I think the world, this generation, millennials, especially are so fed up and Gen X, they just have all that energy. So they're just hyping it up. They're like, okay. I often say now, I think I, I, I've always looked at the year 1968 as such a pivotal year in our country. That's the year that Martin Luther King was assassinated. That's the year that Robert um, Kennedy was assassinated. But that was also the year of the passage of the Civil Rights Bill. Mm-hmm. And there was so much happening in our country. That's also there. There, there was a, a a riot during the um, Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was a very violent time. Very, but a lot of a lot of good came out of that time. Mm-hmm. Like if you survived 1968, then there were laws that were passed that were still were that have made us better today. Yes. So I'm always feeling feeling like right now I'm like okay I'm on the right side of history. This is another 1968. Not that I want to see not in no minus assassination. <laughs> I'm just saying the movement because the people mm. said this is enough. Yeah, this is enough. Like there has to be a civil rights bill passed. There has to stop being white only restaurants and, and, and businesses and water fountains. That all stopped in 1968. But that happened because 
of the people. And the people said white and black didn't happen just because of black people. Right. See, the movement and when it comes to race does not happen with us. Mm. It's not us that made the rules. It's not us that created what we have. So it's not up to us to change racism. It's up to people that don't look at like us to change it. But how you do that is you all work together to get it changed in 1968. Uh, you had white people, you had black people working together to change. And yeah. because of that, a civil rights bill was passed. And because of that, a lot of the laws that were okay then could not happen now. Do they still happen? I'm sure they do. But there's, a, there's laws on the books now that says that if they do happen, you're breaking the law and you will get prosecuted. And we did not have that before. Right. So that was a huge you know, step. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. When we still have work to, we still have a lot of work to do, but I think like you, we have to be intentional. We have to be organized and we have to work together and talk to one another and see what's working and what's not. And it's okay to do that. And that's why I'm glad that you're having this discussion so people can see that and understand it. And hopefully we'll want to do that as well um, in their communities. And that's the goal here. The goal is simply to educate. It was never to, you know, pick sides or to, I mean, we're hoping to ruffle some feathers, right? Because that's how do you grow otherwise? But it's, you know, this wasn't a political stance. This is simply we need to do better. We have to educate. And I am just so excited that the conversation isn't ending, right? Like this isn't like, uh, okay, we had it. Let's close the book. Like, no, we are like, this is just the introduction to the novel. We've got all the history books to write, which that's a totally different topic. We've, we got to get into that education system. <laughs> like yeah. that oh, needs yeah. to be the next big mm-hmm. bill that gets passed. You know what I mean? Yeah. We need to completely redo it, but that's going to take a little bit of time. I'm, I'm going to be faithful in that one though. Um, so as we move forward though, and as we just go throughout this week, do you have any words, like anything that you would like us to maybe ponder on or just kind of stick with us as we move through this coming week? Um, that's a very good question. (laughs) I know there's just so much going on, but be that light. (laughs) But I think that every day, you should, a person should wake up and do something that to affect change, at least one thing every day. On your goals, you say, okay, today I got to go to the grocery store. Today, such and such has a dentist appointment. Today, blah, blah, blah. Every day on your to-do list, it should be do one thing that creates change. One thing. I feel like the word change or uh, grow, mm. We have to actively do that. When you change, you just don't change by just sitting there. You change by doing, you change by action. And then that action becomes a habit. And then you, those habits your kids look at, and then the, it becomes their habit. And then your family looks at it, and it becomes their habit, and on and on and so forth. So change starts with us. Yeah. I can't tell you to change if I'm not doing the work and I'm not changing too. Right. So I think that every day your purpose, one of the things of your purpose daily should be to somehow do one thing that affects change every day. Perfect. One thing. Awesome. So, and 
let's elaborate just a little bit. What are some small things, right? I mean, because I always talk to my daughter about this at seven, how can she be that light? How can she be that difference? Mm -hmm. And I tell her it starts with, you know, a smile. Can you smile at someone today? Can you say something nice to someone today? Can you give them a sincere compliment, right? Before she goes to school, I'm always challenging her to find somebody's day that she can brighten. But as, Mm -hmm. you know, as an adult, what are some good ideas? What um, do you have any suggestions of where we can start when it comes to that change? Sure. So you, reading is like wonderful. There's so many books. Um, uh, White Fragility is is a book that I've seen a lot of people share. But there's so many books. Get out there, research, read. Um, there are so many children's books on racism. Yes. And um, I will try to send you the link so maybe you can share this. Yes. Uh, share the link. But there's 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 like. 20 books out right now that are really popular that are for smaller kids that talk about racism and kind of introduce that whole conversation to them in a kid-friendly book way. Um, It could be watching Selma. It could be watching um, When They See Us. Uh, So that it could be that. It could be, um, like I said, helping, you know, part doing business with a black business or a black woman owned business or, or whatever. It could be sharing something that that business is doing to your community to help people. It could be writing and sharing your experiences on your blog or on your website. It could be doing a podcast, a video, just like, like on and on and on. We change is not like the big things, right? Like, okay, well I've got a march to my, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lead a march to my state capital. Like it doesn't have to be, change doesn't have to look like that. That's cool though. Right. But it doesn't have to look be small things like I have a black neighbor across the street and I never talk to them. The next time I see them, I'm going to say hi, um, you know, and introduce myself and um, maybe give them a little package or something, just like building community. That's change. Um, There's just so many things that that you can do, um, things that I'm not even thinking about right now. But the thing is to think about it and then do it. Whatever that change looks like to you, then that's what it is that you do. Yeah. And I love that. I think that those examples are so amazing because sometimes we forget to use our strengths, right? And when you were saying writing, you were thinking of a creative way, but I was thinking about this extremely educated, like lawyer friend that I think she's a lawyer. I'd have to find out, but she (laughs) writes these like powerful letters for a living. And I'm thinking like, dang, is she writing to our state representative? Like, is she using Mm -hmm. that fierceness that she brings forth in these letters to provoke change in that way, right? So my last words here are look at your own strengths, right? What are you good at? If you can sing, if you write poetry, like whatever it is, can you use that for a beautiful message that's going to help change the world today, right? Even if it's once a week, you know, maybe today you read a book, but tomorrow you use your gift. Um, exactly. Right. Have fun with it. Find a way to make it where it's part of your life in a, in a fun way, in a way that doesn't feel so icky and that'll make change easier. That'll make it fun. Yeah. Right. I love it. Perfect. You know, thank you so much for having this tough conversation with us. I know that it's been an uncomfortable time on a lot of ends and I actually got rejected on this topic many, many times. And 
it's okay, right? It's okay to get a no. I got quite a few and it's fine, but I'm still going to keep pushing. I'm still going to keep having that conversation. And now that I know, I'm going to reach out and let them know if they're ever comfortable having it, then they can reach out to me. Yes, absolutely. Because it doesn't have to be a forever shut door. So thank you for opening that up and reminding me of that today. Um, I am seriously just so blessed. And I know the entire community is. You are you're doing amazing things, Danielle. So thank you for being here so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, her reality. So you know what's going to happen. You're going to be able to connect with us live. Make sure you check out all of Danielle's links. You can connect with her on her social medias. You can see some of the resources that she's pointing out for us. And this week, we're going to be making sure that we are spotlighting as many different resources as we can in the community as we have have been for the last couple of weeks. So don't be shy to drop the info that you guys have or the inspiration. Don't be shy to tell your stories. We're going to have these conversations over and over and over and over and over again in the Her Reality Facebook group. That way they get comfortable and we get good at them so we can go out and have effective conversations in the world, ladies. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for being here, Danielle. And I will talk to everybody so soon in the Facebook group. Bye.